When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. It's a new year and it's a new you and maybe your new year's resolution is to retire a little bit sooner here on the retire sooner podcast. That is the theme. When we started a couple years ago, our theme was to help a million people retire at least one year sooner. I looked up the numbers this year over the last two and a half years or so, there's been something like 3 million people retire sooner. I'd love to say it's the podcast, but the reality is it was COVID and all just the jumbling of the economy, people rethinking their careers, people moving and doing something new, people's asset values doing well before 2022 and feeling like they could retire sooner, reassessing their lives a little bit. But here we are, it's the beginning of the year, it's 2023, and this is a reassess time. And for all the LinkedIn and Instagram posts that you might read that say that your New Year's resolutions are no good, they'll be done by mid-January, certainly done by February. And if you were really good at all the things you're supposed to be doing, you wouldn't even need New Year's resolutions because you'd just be doing all the good stuff all year long. But the reality is we're human. So 99% of us have human habits and we're not Instagram models that work out every day, all year, and only eat fat-burning foods. And we always have perfect money habits, of course. No, we all need a reset. And that's what we're talking about here. 2022 is over. And 2022 was a bad year. It was a rough year. Now, there were some good news in a relatively bad year. And then what is the outlook for 2023? 2023 is a new year. We have a, a similar set of circumstances, but we have a whole brand new calendar year. We've turned the page on a rough stock market year. And I want to explore just a little bit about why things went so wrong last year in most categories, but not all. And what I expect and our whole entire team, Retire Sooner team, expects for 2023. We're going to talk about that and all of this in the thought that it will help you turn the page on upgrading your money habits, upgrading your investing habits, thinking about the world maybe in a slightly different way that maybe a little bit better than before. And hopefully that that adds your journey, that adds your retire sooner journey, even if it allows you or enables you to retire a month sooner. Great, six months sooner, a year, or gives you the ability to stop working at a, at a point when you're ready to stop working. 
or gives you enough in capital so that you do not have to work. And that's the theme here on, on Retire Sooner. With me, producer Mallory. Really, I could, I, I, I don't know if that's the right word anymore, Mallory, Bob. Well, I kind of like it though. Okay, producer Produce, Mallory. Producer well, Mallory. You're going to stay just, producer Mallory. It works, I think it works well. I, I would say like she's a, she, you are kind of more like a co-host, but I think it's appropriate to say in a lot of radio, and I'm thinking about our hometown radio station in Atlanta for those outside of Atlanta listening, my hometown radio station that I also do radio on, there's a show called the Mark Aram show and Deb, Deb Green is his producer, but she's kind of always chiming in and so forth and so I on. I have to call me Deb, you know, like, but I- No, I th- you are Mallory Boggs. <laughs> Mallory Boggs here. But yeah, no, I think um, it's kind of fun to get to jump in whenever I think you say something super outlandish and ridiculous. Ridiculous. What about, let, let's talk about New Year's resolutions for just a minute. What are you doing new, new, new in the new year? Oh, okay. Exciting question. So I I will tell you, I actually was listening to a different podcast. Um, it's called The Lazy Genius, mm. right? And I love it because the whole idea is like working with yourself rather than against yourself. And okay. so it's um, it's an inter- it's one of those like self-improvement kind of things. But I really enjoyed uh, this particular episode. This Lazy Genius. Oh, it's a great <laughs> it's name. It's a great name. Right? Great name. I actually, I found them from their Facebook group, funny enough. But um, I really enjoyed the podcast. It was about New Year's resolution because their whole argument was that you shouldn't focus on trying to completely reinvent the wheel. You shouldn't focus on trying to, you know, like just, just totally do something new. And if, unless, you know, you feel really driven to do that, but they were, they made the argument that you should really focus on figuring out like, what is it something that you're already doing and you enjoy that you would like to slightly improve on and then make that your resolution. So I, um, Mm. I was actually telling some of our other producers, like one of some of mine are things like so many producers. We have so many producers. It takes a village. It takes a village to get this thing together and out. Let, let me tell you. All right. So what are you going to improve on? Um, all right. So mine, I've got, I've got three. Okay. I'm going to get real honest here. I've got Go three and it's kind of funny because I actually feel a little um, embarrassed about them because I feel kind of self-centered and selfish, but mm. I had a friend who was like, well, they're your not, new year's resolution. Thank Come on, you. These are about Thank making, you. These improving people don't your know. year, you and or your family. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's kind of the, the mentality I'm going with. Or the but world. Hopefully, and hopefully these will improve the world too, ultimately. But um, all right, so so first one is uh, continue to focus on being my authentic self, both in life and work, right? Mm. And just being like really comfortable with that. Because I'm, uh, Wes can tell you, I'm like really goofy and ridiculous sometimes myself. And so I, and sometimes I think it's easy to take a, like a step back and like try and like, come across like a little bit more. You do. You have an uncontrollable laugh. Oh it's gosh. almost like you hyperventilate when you laugh. You're, you're, yeah, no, that's <laughs> when you know it's really good. <laughs> you know, the best part, my mom and my sister have the exact same laugh. And if we all start laughing, we'll synchronize. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Sounds like a, a, a gasping hyenas. It's, it's No, it's it's so bad, but so great. So great. <laughs> it's really entertaining. <laughs> um, and, then, and then my next one is say yes to more, to life and work opportunities that align with my overarching life mission and priorities. And especially if they push me out of my comfort zone. Wow. Say yes to more. Okay, Isn't that, cool. Yeah, cool. But, but only if it aligns with things. Because I think that that's such like a delicate balance where like I can also say yes to a lot of things where it's really fun, but um, but maybe ends up draining you more, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, and then uh, my last one is, uh, this one's real personal, but, but keep myself in my own front row and respect my own wants and needs and don't needlessly make sacrifices in my life to do something that I make, I think would make somebody else's world more comfortable needlessly. Mm. Does that make sense? That's so like tough parenting. 
to your yeah. friends and relationships. Yeah. You're not going to concede for just to make somebody happy. And it's, it's not necessarily just to like make somebody else happy. It's more like if I, it's kind of one of those things where I feel like in the past, I will sometimes anticipate somebody else is feeling a certain way. And so I will make myself uncomfortable or do something that I wouldn't necessarily prefer because I think that this would make them happier when they've not even actually told me that. And, and it actually, it's something that I saw like with a friendship actually recently, mm-hmm. like in the last couple of years that like really um, was an issue. And so it's something that I've been working on. Do you feel like any of this does relate to your finances at all? Does that, these are all kind of life habits, but do they translate at all to your own business because you have your own marketing company? They do. They absolutely do. Yeah. So the say yes thing, I think is absolutely, that's a very work focused one, right? Yeah. Like I, I want to, um, I think it's easy probably to just be like, oh, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm doing. Let me just mm-hmm. like focus on that. But I think by trying to say yes more that'll definitely help and then but to the one with like you know putting yourself first it kind of it goes back to the whole concept of like if you have a full cup you can pour into others whereas like if you're depleted you know you really you can't really help help put your oxygen mask on before you help the baby yes yes All right. Well, uh, I wish you the very best with all of those. Thank you. Well, now hang on, hang on. Don't think you're off the hook. What are your news or your No, I wasn't totally prepared for this, but you did jog. I, I used to really be uh, emphatic about this. In fact, I would I would spend a day uh, and to the begrudging of lit, like my wife. Never, she doesn't like this stuff. She's not like a list maker. She's not a she would roll her eyes at like anything self-improvement oriented. She's just not, not like that. It's because she's really great to begin with. It <laughs> makes it easy. <laughs> but I've always kind of been into that. Obviously it's a huge part of what we do on the retire sooner podcast, or we're, we're trying to get authors and speakers and thought leaders about all these different categories to improve our lives and be happy retirees. It's something I've, so that research thought on how do we get better, I've always had that. Even in my 20s, I was writing a, a full page thing and then I got married. I'd have the family category, the health category, the social category before I wrote these books about all those categories. So a lot of this is just what I have always thought about anyway. Uh, the But this year, I didn't spend a whole lot of time about it, but just going through yours reminds me of what mine are. And they're almost the opposite of yours. So number <laughs> is one great. is to say no to almost everything. <laughs> everything. Number two is, is to put, instead of putting myself first, like you're planning on doing, putting my family first. Oh, okay. So that's it's a great way. the opposite of you. But yeah. And then three is, is like more of a tactical one, which is just doing whole 30, uh, which I did a couple of years ago. And then, which is just a way of eating clean for a full month. Sounds so terrible. And that's the, that's my three. Those are good. Now, hang on. Are you only going to do Whole30 for the one month? Because I know in the past, you've also, I feel like sometimes whenever you start doing something like this, you carry it through for a long time. Yeah. So the Whole30 base, it's not as dramatic as the, the first time you do it. There's still lots of things you can eat. So we're driving, where it was in Northern Michigan this this winter for, for about a week or so. And then we had a long drive to get back to Detroit in the winter to fly home. And Lynn was reading me the whole 30 and there's a lot on the you can't eat list so it's like you can't eat anything with sugar anything that's processed you can't eat bread you can't eat rice so it's it's cutting out a lot of carbs and i was like you know i kind of remember all the things i'm not allowed to eat can you read the can eat list and that's what i focus on and it's a huge list like you can have steak and potatoes and pork chops any meat you want and potatoes regular potatoes sweet potatoes 
Japanese sweet potatoes, my favorite. They're mm. purple. And and of course, vegetables, fruits, RX bars. So so the bars that are, they're made of figs and nuts. Oh. So it's there's banana chips, which I, I like oh. better than potato chips. So it's really, to me, Whole30 is about all the things you can eat. Okay. And I and you don't put sugar in your coffee, which is something I, once I started and did Whole30 five years ago, I stopped putting sugar in my coffee until this past year. Wow. And it slowly crept back in. Once I started with some of those creamy delights, then I was, I wanted more creamy delights. And next thing I know, my entire coffee might as well be a Briar's coffee ice cream. But delicious. Uh, now, so I just doing a reset back to that. I've been doing it for about a week. It's really not that hard yet. Okay. So, and, and, and of course, no, there's no alcohol too. So, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do dry January, by the way, gosh, we're so far off topic. The, uh, I, <laughs> this is such a great ad that Tito's Vodka did with Martha Stewart on some social platform I saw, but she, this cute, this cute and disappointed Martha Stewart zooms in on her with a bottle of vodka that she can't drink all of January. And of course she's going to figure out what to do with Tito's for an entire month. So she spray bottle, she's spraying, she's using it as hand sanitizer. She's spraying her boots and it'll take out the smell of her boots. And she's watering her plants with vodka. It's really, really funny. And she's very disappointed. She can't drink her Tito's. She uses it as a meat tenderizer, this giant gallon, (laughs) a glass gallon of Tito's tenderizing meat you know she's back so it's really actually very funny and then at the end i think she just says f it give me a drink it's really really it's a very funny that is cute that is so cute it was diy what was it oh instead of dry january it was diy january oh that's so cute diy with your bottle of Tito's. Anyway. <laughs> That's really good. That's really All right. Lovely. So the, and, and I think these do, and again, let's, if we, if we think about this in the context of retire sooner, again, I, we're in different parts of our career. You've started your marketing company in the last couple of years. Uh, I've been do, in this business for 25 years and doing media for 15. And I have had many years where I, my resolution was to do exactly what you just said. Say, yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to say yes to this. I think it's a really important phase to be in. And then you get to the point where you're starting to then ignore family if you keep saying yes. If you're doing speaking events and you're flying all over the place and you're working and you're having clients and you're doing media and you're writing books, you could get to the point where you're working 80 to just 24-7. Easily you could do that. And I've had a lot of years of that and I'm trying to chip away at that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's a multi-year process to chip away at working too much. That's fair. And last year I got better at it. And this year I hope to continue to get better at it. That's I, I, That's the first week of this past holiday was the first full week that I went skiing with the boys or do, do going somewhere for the entire week between Christmas and New Year's. Wow. And, and snowboarding. Yeah. Oh, oh. And was it fun though? Hang on. You got to tell us. It was really good. It's really hard to learn. Three of my four boys, I ran on snowboards. So this is just Northern Michigan. This isn't like going out West. So it's, it's not a giant Western mountain, but it's really good, especially if good snow and it's good to learn. And it was hard. This is really hard. Uh, the, my wife, and this goes back to some of the interviews we've done, you know, the, the, I think it was the book Beginners. One of the reasons that I think it's Tom Vanderbilt, I I always bring this, I always talk about Tom and his book, Beginners. His point is that when we get older, we don't try new things. And it's because we kind of know what we're already good at. Well, 
there's also the reality of someone like Lynn, who's in her mid forties, who skied for 35 years. She, I, I convinced her to rent a snowboard and learn with the boys. So I did lessons in the morning and then I kind of tried to help with the lessons. The guy was like, you can just leave for now. <laughs> Actually, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, There's a it was certain point crowded. where you're like, yeah. But then they were only for a couple hours and then I did the rest of the day with, with them. Mm-hmm. And for her, it's like how many days of falling on your butt, hurting yourself, because it, it is pretty painful, particularly if you have icy conditions and, and, you, and you're new, you're going to fall. It's really, it's funny. The boys would say, well, how many times did you fall on that run? And in the first couple of days, it's literally how many times did you not fall? Because it's <laughs> constant. To, I mean, yeah, Lynn like yeah. bruised her thumb. Oh, oh. She hurt her knee. And Ooh. this is all in like the first day and a half. But meanwhile, she's a great skier. So the mm-hmm. whole time she's thinking, why am I spending my time, money and vacation on something I can't do? Am I gonna, and then she went back to, to ski. That's fair. Well, and, then, and then she actually got to like enjoy herself. But she did still try something new. And I she think did. that that's important. But to... But I would say to Tom, I said, I would say, Tom, it's hard when you're trying something new to stick with it. Just another reason why it's hard for adults to do new stuff, because you want to go back to what you already are good at. And it's harder for an adult to endure the pain of learning. That's very true. And actually, it kind of goes back to, you know, we're always talking about how important core pursuits are and how important it is to cultivate those before you retire. Because I'm sure a lot of it's because that muscle memory of like, if you're really good at work and that's all you do the muscle memory of learning how to and just being comfortable with being bad at something after just doing something that you're so good at for so long, that would be so difficult. It is. It really is hard. So, and I will say this, the snowboard instructor, they, they had two different ones in two days. He told me the oldest person he taught was 74 how to wow. snowboard, which is wow. pretty cool. Yeah. That He said that was a one-off. Okay. Typically the oldest is about, it's mid forties to early fifties. So okay. if, you, if you do it, you're doing it late at that age, but you can, you can still, you can still figure it out. The other thing too is that sometimes I think our expectations get under promised on mm. how hard or long it will take. Oh yeah, that's so, fair. So here's here it is. If I told you that you're gonna, it's gonna be really tough, but oh, tough, really tough two days. But mm. after two days, you're gonna kind of get it, and you're gonna be able to snowboard. Here's the reality: for most people, it's probably like five days. Oh wow, yeah. It's, really, it's well, a lot if you're of only days. there for um, five days, is a lot of skiing yeah. to begin with, or just time on the mountain. I guess if you're snowboarding. So now, my six-year-old, mm-hmm. the, the youngest of all my kids, and my two middle boys did it, thirteen and ten, and then the little Sammy six was on morning three, r- absolutely ripping down the mountain, and and even raced his thirteen-year-old brother and beat the ever living, just doubled him. Amazing. Sam finished the run. His older brother was literally halfway down the mountain. (laughs) That's awesome. Sam, how does it feel to beat your older brother? He goes, it feels really good. Oh, it's a legit, (laughs) it's just not like they're playing basketball and they're letting him win. This is fully, Luke was trying to win. He was trying to beat him and Sam just absolutely crushed him. I feel like any younger children that are like listening and the youngest child, like y'all, y'all will relate to that. I feel like youngest children definitely, um, there's some certain joy I think that they get in beating their older siblings. I know that's been the case for my sister. Don't tell her I said that, but it's, it's totally always, true. Of course, it's sibling rivalry. <laughs> it's totally normal. And it's cool for little Sambo to be able to do that. So sure, it, it's younger, smaller, and a lot of cases is easier. And the older or more ingrained you get in some other things, it's maybe harder to learn. So maybe for snowboarding, I should have said, look, for it's going to really take you guys probably by day five or four, you're going to feel really, really good here. And we only got in about three and a half. 
because of the conditions and people were tired at one point and it rained one day. So it, the reality here is that I think it's an expectation thing. Like it's going to take you a year to be decent at golf, mm. not a month. It's going to take you five days on the mountain to be good at snowboarding, but you're going to get it. And then look, if you can't get, if you're not going to be proficient or decent after five full days, then yeah, maybe you're just, it's not, maybe it's not the sport for you. So I don't know. That's also fair. Full disclosure, I am affiliated with Capital Investment Advisors, which is a full service and a fee-only financial planning and investment management firm in Atlanta and Denver and Tampa and Phoenix or wherever you are. And if you'd like to take your retirement planning or retire sooner journey to the next level, Capital Investment Advisors would love to help. You can find our team and schedule a time to chat Write at yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R wealth.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We went way off track talking about New Year's and resolutions and... But I will just say, as first family first, I, I couldn't have enough of those trips. Like, oh, I mean, literally, yeah. I could do that once a month. And with I could go skiing, snowboarding with the boys once a month. Now, here's the reality. Their schedule is technically the limiting thing at this point oh yeah in our lives right with yeah. school that's they don't they really only have certain weeks off a year and that's it period and then if you add in sports it almost makes it the most you ever have is about a week maybe two if you really count sports and oh, i have four boys yeah. and they all play sports so yeah. there's not a lot of time just to go take off if if they want to continue to do to sports. Snowboarding is really the only thing I've ever really said, look, guys, you guys got to learn this. I have, because I just know that long-term, they'll probably love it. Probably. <laughs> Every other <laughs> you, sport. You'll always love it. I, and I, and at least, and I've already said to little Sammy, I'm like, hey man, at least, at least you and I are going to be snowboarding. Because he's already, sort of, I know he's going to be great. Yeah. The other two, I, they, there's going to, it's going to take a little bit of time. But when it comes to all the other sports, they are the ones that want to do it. So as much as we try to rein that in a little bit, they're the ones that are so adamant to play basketball and then and play lacrosse and play football. So that's what they want to do. All right, uh, here we go. Let's talk about... <laughs> well, and hang on, because I do think... Let, let's finish this thought, because I do think that with the new year and new resolution, and especially getting back to... You know, you talked about it really nicely at the beginning, where for so many people and so many of our listeners, their goal, their resolution for this year is to figure out retirement. And I know that this last year was really difficult for the market, right? It was, it was a hot mess express. I feel like every time I talked with you last year, you were just like, well, the market's down again. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So what, what does that actually look like? Like what, what should people expect? Here's, and maybe I'll offer this for those listening that don't have a financial resolution. Oh yeah. Because in some respects you could make an argument that retirement planning is very much about investing and the investments and how they do. 
Or you can make a really good argument that investment planning is planning for an early retirement or any retirement is all about the planning of it. So it's the financial plan. How much do I need to put away? I'm just going to, the investment part, super simple, S&P 500. Let's say that's all you do. So it's no time on that. It's all about planning and making sure you're diligent on saving and diligent on, on making sure you're maxing out all your different 401k, IRA, any sort of option and your budgeting, et cetera. The reality is it really is a, an important mix of both investing and being comfortable with that and having a, a good financial type plan. Oh. So what I would say here in, in the new year, and we talk a lot about different investments and different investing styles, and we're going to talk about that today here about Outlook 2023. But one rule that we talked about, I, we, I think we did a whole show on this, but if you don't know your 25X number, right off the top of your head, then I can just tell you, think about that in this new year and think about how you're going to get to your 25X number. Well, now hang on. Let's let's back it up for maybe somebody who didn't get that sure. episode. What does that mean? So 25X number is a really easy way to figure out about how much you're going to need to be able to stop working. Okay. And it's a rule that effectively is the 4% rule in reverse. Oh, this is great. Okay. With much easier math. Mm-hmm. Because we're not talking about 4% with decimal points and four and a quarter. And Wait, what is, the, what is the whole way that you calculate percentages whenever you're like multiplying by them? You got to like move the zero around. It's a whole thing. Listen, we're not going to talk math or sports here. Ugh, I don't, ugh. <laughs> Neither of those are my thing. <laughs> so, but, but here, here, and the reason I did this, and I've told, I told the story about even, I've even talked about this number with my kids. Very simply, dad, what would it take for you to not have to work, do the podcast, do your investment company, Capital Investment Advisors, just no working. And the answer is at least 25X of whatever you need annually. So if you need a hundred grand a year, on, by the way, on top of any other income sources you're, you're gonna have. So social security, let's say your social security is 30,000 a year or 50,000, I talked to a couple today and they're newly adjusted social security with a new inflation adjustment, husband and wife together, it's gonna be 50 grand a year. Social Security is not that's, wow, not, that's, that's not, that's not small potatoes. No, that's great. But what do they need? They need a hundred thousand okay. dollars on top of that. They and want 150. Got, okay. So what do they need in liquid assets? They need 2.5 million, 25 times a hundred. Okay, yeah. 25 X rule. It's that simple. And it, however, there's a lot to that rule. Remember the 4% rule accounts for inflation and adjusting that every year and making sure you have a balance of at least 50% in stocks. So I would encourage anybody that doesn't have the 25X rule on the top of their mind at any time to do that and think about that once a month. And that is, it's such a powerful part of the planning side of the conversation. I need to plan to get to a million or 2.5 million or 5.5, whatever the number is, 10 million, maybe it's $10 million to be able to stop working. Oof, it, that would be, that's a lot. It's a, it's certainly is a lot, but it, it, again, depends on our income levels. It depends on how much we're going to be spending in the future. If you've got, if you want to spend a million dollars a year, how much do you need to have saved? Well, 25 million, 25X. That's the 25X rule. There you go. So that to me, and I've been in this business for about 25 years, never really used that rule until recently. I've always been very focused on the 4% rule. And I realized is just how easy you can constantly remind yourself of that goal, the end in mind. What did Stephen Covey tell us in the seven habits of highly effective people? The number one habit I remember is begin with the end in mind. And there is no such thing as successful investing 
and planning for an early retirement without a financial plan to start. And if nothing else, your plan is just to get to your 25X number. That's at least a good start. That's at least a good start if you're in the retire sooner camp. Now, one of the, the things that I want to do this year, and again, I learned this from the podcast and interviews last year, is what Ken Honda taught us. Uh, with happy money. And that is this thought of really appreciating any dollars that are coming in and appreciating and not begrudging dollars that are going out. And that has been a huge help to me mentally when it comes to money. I've always begrudged money going out for taxes and anything. It, it, I, it's too much. It's going out. It, like, it hurts. It's pulling it out of you. I don't like it. And then I've always thought in any given year, even if we've had, our families had successful financial years, I've always thought, wow, well, we could have done more, could have done better. <laughs> it's so always easy to do. It's always do. too much going out, never enough coming in. And I think a, the vast, vast, vast majority of America feels that way. I don't care what you make. We almost all feel that way. Too much going out and it hurts every dollar. That Every time it's like a paper cut and some are larger than that. And, and it's never quite enough coming in. So I have learning from Ken Honda to really flip that script in that conversation in a dramatic way and be very appreciative of what is coming in every dollar and appreciative of every dollar going out because then, then you take that one more root cause. So really, it's not just about the dollars that are coming in that I appreciate. I, now I appreciate them more than ever. But what's the root of that? Well, it's all the people that listen to the podcast and it's all the people, it's all the people that buy books and it's all the clients that we serve. So really I'm very thankful for them. I'm thankful for the root of all of that prosperity coming in the door. Kent Honda taught me that. It's that really it's the end. What is the root of all of that prosperity? That's what you should be thankful about. That's what you should be thinking about when you say your prayers at night. Thank I think the families we work with, ultimately, that's the prosperity for my own family. Uh, when it comes to spending, where do those dollars go, right? I said, Ken, can you really be happy about paying a $200 parking ticket? Well, on the surface, no. But if you go back to the root of what the parking ticket is really paying for, if, look, if, if you had unwieldy parking uh, and you had no people enforcing it, you'd have a lawless society. You wouldn't have any sort of protection. And you'd have, it look like the parking outside of Woodstock. Or uh, for our audience, maybe, yeah, our audience would know Woodstock. I was thinking <laughs> yes, yes. for our young audience, a young Jeezy concert. <laughs> the, but it would look like an unruly parking lot. And we wouldn't want that either. So I'm appreciative of the parking ticket because I'm able to park normally in the in the busy city of Atlanta. I would say that's a transcendent uh, 2023 theme for me. I, I started kind of the very end of last year and I really liked the, I liked the result of, of thinking that way. And I'm going to try to really carry it through 2023. So it's another resolution. Well, and it's definitely one that I think the listeners should hopefully adopt as well. Uh, I believe that too. I uh, yes, yeah, one of my favorite money lessons of 2022 that I'm carrying into 2023. So we've talked about resolutions. It's 2023. I strongly believe in having these resolutions and I love Mallory's. I think mine are pretty good. I've been doing resolutions in a very intentional way for as long as I can remember. And I think they're important, particularly resetting your money goals because we're, we're here on this podcast. It's about figuring out a way to stop working. It's retire sooner, even if it's a month sooner. We'd like it to be a year sooner. 
And then that goes back into what about the investment side? We talked about the 25X rule. That's all about the planning side. Let's plan to get to this destination. We need this much in savings, in investments to then generate enough income so we can stop working. What about the investment side? Now, 2022, as we turn the page here in 2023, was a really difficult year. I want to talk about what changed in 2022 that really impacts, we think, the investment thesis, or this is my thought, my opinion on the investment side here for this new year, 2023. So one, yes, Mallory, you're right. Every time we talked last year, yeah, it was a rough day in the market, rough day in the market, over and over, it, because it was. A couple of statistics around that. At one point, the S&P 500 was down 25% or even more. So that's, that's full-blown bear market territory. Now, we've had worse years for stocks. We've had worse years. In the financial crisis in 2007-8, we were down almost 50% on the S&P. Same thing during the dot-com bubble. We, there was a period of time where the S&P 500 was down 45% plus. So we've had some even worse stock years. But what made 2022 so, so bad overall is that the bond market, which is a giant part of retirement accounts in America, because if you really open up your average 401k statement, you're going to see two categories. We have our stock funds and we have our bond funds. And then typically there's the target fund section, which is an automatic mix of both of those. Well, typically in a bad stock year, what do bonds do? Well, they, they're counter cyclical. They typically go up in price and you get yield. So you have a good total return on the bond side and it cushions your fall. Ironically, bonds were as bad or worse than most stock categories this year. So we had the really the worst bond performance year almost in history. So put those two together for a 60-40 balanced portfolio. It's really the worst year since 1937. So if it's it felt like a painful year in your 401k and your target date fund or whatever it may be, it's probably because it was a really painful year. And you saw losses on the stock side and you saw losses on the bond side and you just, there weren't a whole lot of places to hide. Now, a little more specifically about 2022, some of the categories like technology stocks were down 30, 40, 50%. If you look at the consumer discretionary area, you'd find stocks like Amazon. Uh, you'd find stocks like Nike. You'd find stocks like Tesla. As a sector, consumer discretionary was down almost 40%. 2022. And of course, inflation. Inflation was through the roof, almost double digit inflation. We peaked out at around 9% last summer. Inflation levels we haven't seen for 40 years. Combine that with really almost the complete collapse of the cryptocurrency market. Multiple big, giant cryptocurrency firms out of business. And the price of many cryptocurrencies crushed, not all, but many, and some went to zero. And then you get an aggressive Federal Reserve that's trying to help cure inflation, so they're raising interest rates. You've got a recipe for a difficult year. But I, before I get too serious, Mallory, it wasn't all bad news, I promise. Okay, good, because I was starting to get a little, like, you know, down in the dumps. It's, listen, it's January, it's dark, it's cold, and now you're just telling me about how terrible everything is. All right, here's is. the good news. All right, here, here's the reality of, of, of what I think is the good news. First of all, dividend stocks held up very well on a relative basis. Now, there were plenty of dividend stocks that were up a lot. If we were in the energy sector, big energy companies up 40, 50, 60%. So some sectors did well. Healthcare, utilities were relatively flat on the year. Energy, again, up 50, 60%. So there wasn't all the sectors 
that did poorly. It was very concentrated to areas in the market that were tech heavy. So outside of technology, there are really some bright spots in 2022. And again, we're going to get to a theme for 2023. Number two, though, last year, bond yields. In Again, if you're looking at your 401k and you're looking at one of the main categories, it's going to say fixed income or bonds. This is supposed to be the steady part that gives you a little bit of income every year that doesn't go down a lot if the, if the stock market falls. Had gotten to a point where bonds weren't paying a whole lot of interest because the Federal Reserve has kept rates low, low, low for so long, almost at zero. Bond rates at one point were getting to be about zero. So they just weren't all that attractive. Last year, that changed. And that sets us up for an interesting opportunity in 2023. But the 10-year Treasury that started last year out at around a half a percent finished the year at almost 4%. So from almost zero to four, that's a big move. So almost paying zero to now paying 4% per year, that's a big deal. So bond yields have now risen to attractive levels. So that's that's also good news as we move forward. Number three, the excesses or a lot of the excesses that were that have been in the market have to some extent gotten wrung out of the system. So think about cryptocurrencies, right? That uh, So many of those have gone away. So many stocks with ultra sky high valuations that really weren't making any money that the world thought would be really good when we were locked in lockdown with COVID. We thought everything would transition to only living in your home. So it was only exercise bikes at your home. It was only digital communication. There was a point in time where that was supposed to be the only thing to make the world propel. And those stocks just went through the roof in price without having a whole lot of earnings. Those came back down to earth. So when you have excesses now in the rear view mirror, that means the market, the marketplace is starting to place a higher value on real companies with real earnings. Now, what does this all mean for 2023 looking ahead? Well, first of all, the core theme that we think that, again, changed in 2022 that'll persist in 2023 is just higher inflation. We're not going to probably see the 8 and 9% like we saw this past summer, but it's very unlikely we're going to go back to 0 to 1 to 1.5% inflation. Why? Well, there's kind of really two big things. One, we have been moving towards, let's call it less globalization. You could almost call it deglobalization now for a long time. So think the pandemic taught us that if we're relying on microchips from foreign countries that want to stay in lockdown for two or three years longer than we do, then that's a problem when it comes to our economy functioning. If we have to rely on a cargo ship that takes three weeks and we've got a backup at a port, that means we're relying on all of the shipping. So companies, because of the pandemic, said we want to be able to make our critical components semiconductors, microchips, as an example, here in the United States, reshoring, onshoring, coming back to our borders to avoid not being able to have access to because of supply chains. Bringing things back to the United States is a little more expensive. We're not outsourcing to Central America. We're not outsourcing to Asia, which we've done for 30 plus years to keep the, and it's brought global costs of almost everything lower and lower and lower. So that's reversing. Secondly, there's been a real dearth of capital expenditures or new money going into exploring more oil and natural gas. And oil companies and energy companies in general really backed off for the last several years when it comes to going and finding more and more and more oil. 
that we had an energy shock in 2022 that's kicked these companies back into gear to some extent. Higher oil costs mean companies can now say, okay, we can spend more money to get more oil because it's worth more. That takes a really long time to play out. So you can't have a decade of underinvestment and fix it in six months. It's going to take a couple of years to get enough supply back that the world really needs. The world, as much as we talk about EVs and electric vehicles, 80 plus percent of the world still runs on fossil fuel. And energy is a huge part of the cost of everything we do in inflation. So I don't think we're going back to zero to 1% inflation. I don't, I, still, I don't think we're going to be double digit either. Where do we land? We don't know, but it's likely in that three, 4% range, which is much higher than it's been the last decade plus. Okay, so if we're gonna have more inflation than we've lived with in a long time, what should we be doing in 2023? For the first one, goes back to dividend paying stocks. If inflation stays elevated, history shows us that value stocks, which tend to be dividend oriented stocks, they've weathered the storm better than growth stocks. The growth stocks we talked about that had no earnings that were a lot more attractive to investors when money markets and bonds all paid zero. People wanted to put their money somewhere and they're willing to wait and wait and wait for profits eventually to materialize in these growth, growth, growth companies that didn't pay out any current cash flow. Now interest rates are much higher. You can get 4% in a money market now. So you're more content. Well, if I don't find an investment opportunity, I'm gonna leave my money in cash because it's paying me something. So the marketplace is pivoted to some extent to focusing in on companies that are creating current cash flow. That's typically the value category, the dividend category. Real companies with real earnings. I love that line. Let's call it real companies with real earnings. Not the promise of maybe huge earnings way, way, way out into the future. It's a big difference between dividend stocks, cash today, bird in hand, growth, growth, growth stocks, cash tomorrow, or two birds in the bush. In fact, our chief investment officer, Robert Sanders, says he thinks this could be the start of a multi-year dividend renaissance, which is exciting. A dividend renaissance. That sounds so fancy. I'm like envisioning like a renaissance fair with a turkey leg, but like investment style. Is that, does a turkey leg at a renaissance fair, does that sound fancy? Uh... <laughs> A certain kind of fancy. So fancy. The turkey leg and the... <laughs> and the I jousting. Used to, I had so much fun at those. I begged my parents because my dad has always been a reenactor of sorts. Yeah. And we would be reenactor of everything. Civil War, Revolutionary War, and I guess you would call it medieval times. Yeah, yeah. And that's when exactly we were kids, he used to make us swords and shields and he even made us helmets that we would spray paint silver, but he would make them out of... The same material you would do a cast on a dog's yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard. And he, yeah, he yeah. would put the, you know you put them in water. They soften up, and you. I don't think it's it's basically casting material or cast material. And he may, would make these helmets like knights from the Round head. Table. Yeah. Formed to our heads, and then we would spray paint them with silver paint. All right. Here's a real question: How quickly did you and your brothers end up hitting each other with the swords to see how long it took for the helmets to break? You know, I don't remember <laughs> that all that much because I was older, and uh, my, I was the older brother, so we would. 
we would fight and we would, you know, we would joust and, and where we were from, where we are from, there are still these things called the ruins. Oh, I don't know why it's in Brandy, the Brandywine Valley of Pennsylvania, but even to this day, you can go walk to many ruins and they're just these old stone houses that they never fully tore down and they let go into ruin. And they'd be like one and a half walls, but only halfway down. And they almost felt like old castles and they're still there to this day all over all over southern pennsylvania that's super cool i had no idea so number one theme 2023 we perhaps may be at the start of a multi-year dividend renaissance well number two goes back to bond yields bond yields are now at a 15-year high a lot of high quality bonds paying four to five percent now, the road to get there has been a little tough. Remember, bond prices and interest rates are like a seesaw. Rates go up, prices go down. And we've had a big adjustment last year. Rates went way up and prices went down. But not all that dissimilar than other assets falling in price. They can become more attractive. And that's exactly what happened to bonds. So prices are now lower. Yields are now higher. And the future bond returns are predicated highly to wherever interest rates are starting today. So we're starting at zero interest rates. The bond outlook isn't too good. If you're starting at four or 5%, the bond outlook is pretty strong. And that's where we find ourselves today. And investing is always about what are we going to do today moving forward? So we're at a point where I like what I'm seeing for both sides of the pie chart. If, if one side of the pie chart is more dividend oriented, I like that. The bond side of the pie chart now is also paying some real income. And I like that as well moving forward. So just because balanced portfolios had some struggles in 2022 doesn't mean at all that they're not going to be good in 2023. So yes, kind of what's the bottom line here? I think 2022 markedly difficult year. I think 2023 will be a better year for investors, even though we might go into some sort of recession, mild recession. We don't know. What's interesting is that markets are typically worse the year leading up to a recession and better during and of course after recessions finally end. Recessions typically only last or on average 10 months. So perhaps 2022's market could be characterized as the worst is behind us. Even though, yes, there's still a, a relatively high chance of recession in 2023. As Peter Lynch reminds us from Fidelity, Magellan, the, the famed investment manager, the real key to making money in stocks is to not get scared out of them. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen in 2023. Nobody does. But I do think that if we focus in on high-quality dividend-paying stocks, bonds that provide income, that'll carry us through the year. And I think it's as important as it's ever been. So I'm optimistic about what the future holds, Mallory. It's not all doom and gloom. That's exciting. Now, I do have to ask, what would your recommendation be for our folks who are hoping to retire this year? I think it's as good a year of as any to retire because retirement isn't about the year you're retiring. The reti- retirement is about 10 and 20 and 30 years. So the reality here is that if we have some sort of strategy, maybe it's as simple as the 25X rule. And if you're retiring this year, you probably have gotten more specific than just the 25X rule. You've probably done some sort of financial plan and you've modeled it out with inflation and you're spending to go up by inflation year after year after year. 
and you've looked at your cash flow relative to your investments and you've given your investments a, a modest or conservative rate of return, then it's important to remember it's a multi-year, multi-decade event and it's not just about this year. I also think from an investment standpoint, if we don't have a really high risk tolerance for stocks going up and down, I think the balanced portfolio still makes a ton of sense. And if nothing else, the balanced portfolio can be looked at as having your safety assets in three years worth of what we call dry powder. The vast majority of stock market corrections have undone themselves back to the upside within about three years. So if you're worried about dipping into stocks or the stock portion of your portfolio or your retirement while we're in some sort of bear market, then as long as you have about three years worth of what you would like to withdraw from the portfolio, so 50000 a year, you would have 150000 what we would call dry powder, safety assets that are more consistent and more stable, even though this wasn't completely the case in 2022, but has been for most of market history, areas that are we consider fixed income or bonds. And the good news there is they're finally paying some really decent interest. Let's take that as good news as we head into 2023. Praying for a prosperous, healthy new year. Mallory Boggs, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.